Welcome everybody back to episode 29 of the Canberra Football Show, round seven review. I'm your host, Matt Nicoletti. Michael Georgeski is sick today, but we do have a slew of uh, special guests. Joining me right now is Steve Forshaw, who does some commentary with Russ and is probably best known for the FFA Cup run back in 2014 with Tuggeron United. Steve, thank you for joining me today and how are you going? Good, thanks, Matt. Nice to be with you. Awesome. And also later on the show, we'll have Chris Webb joining us for the MPL2 and we'll have Jeremy McGann, as always, for MPLW. All right, Steve. First and foremost, how have you enjoyed uh, doing some commentary with Russ uh, recently? You've been doing a lot more. Yeah, I've actually been lucky enough to join him on a couple of occasions over the last three or four weeks. Done a couple of FFA Cup games and a couple of NPL games. Um, enjoy working with Russ, and it gives you a different perspective on the games as well. So, very interesting sort of three or four weeks. Awesome. Now let's get started with the first matchup of the weekend. We had West Canberra Wanderers two, Belcon United zero, Thornton and Paisler with the goals for West Canberra. It was a great win for them, which, of course, has them now sitting in second place, whilst Belconnen are in fourth. Thornton opened the scoring after a fantastic set piece that saw him uh, make a great run into the box and uh, convert a confident volley from uh, Paisler, which was a beautiful uh, bit of magic there. Then Belconnen, uh, they looked as if... Uh, they looked as if... Um, at first, they sort of struggled to break a West Canberra down. Then, of course, you know, as the game wears on, you're trying to get that goal. And they created quite a few opportunities for themselves. Uh, but they just weren't able to convert them on the day. Menza, as well, I believe, missed a penalty. Uh, the second half was also a little more physical. There was uh, quite a few uh, altercations, as can be seen during the game. What are your thoughts on this result, Steve, and what you've seen from both these sides so far this season? Well, I thought it was a terrific result for... Um, Western, uh, West Canberra. I thought, um, you know, after a couple of minor slip-ups, um, they bounced back really well against one of the form teams in the competition. The Bell Conan had been beaten Canberra Croatia a few weeks ago, and then a handy draw against Gangarland, um were in good nick. So I think to win 2-0, it was a great result for them. I think Yuli Silver is doing a great job with them. Um, a largely unheralded squad. He's got them firing on all four cylinders. From a Del Conan point of view, um, historically they've struggled on synthetic pitches and it was again the case on the weekend, but um, the missed penalty probably was the turning point or the real turning point in the game. Perhaps if they got that one goal back, they might have gone on to get something out of the game. But the, uh, the second half sort of, Generated into a sort of niggly battle, and not, you know, the football wasn't high quality. There was lots of free kicks, interruptions to the game, and a little bit of petulance from the players, which spoiled it as a spectacle. But in the end, three good points for uh, Western. Indeed, it was. And you mentioned there how your sister Silva's uh, done well with uh, the squad he, he has, and it's safe to say that all the players have stepped up as well. As a coach, when you're going into a season where you've had a lot of a lot of changes, uh, granted there is usually always a lot of changes in Canberra football, but West Canberra probably had some of the most changes uh, from anyone. And how so? How difficult is it to try and get them uh, get your side uh, ready like that and firing essentially straight away from the second round after their first loss to Gungahlin United? Yeah, 
Yeah, well, I mean, if you looked at their pre-season, I mean, you got knocked out of the FFA Cup by an NPL2 team, and um, I'm sure Yuli was a little concerned at that stage that they weren't coming together as he would have liked. But it is a particularly difficult task. You're bringing in a number of uh, people that have got to bond quickly, and I think he's getting his message across is the key to it. So he's getting them playing the way he wants them to play, that allows the players to focus on that particular aspect of the game. So they don't have to carry any baggage. They don't have to worry about anything else. But are they getting the game plan right? And that helps to bring them together. And, of course, if you can get a few good results along the way, it can only help. And they've done that. So um, they've had an accelerated process, if you like, to get to where they are. They've bonded really well. They're coming together as a very strong unit. They work hard for each other, so they've got a good team ethic. So I can't see any reason why they shouldn't continue to have success this season. All right, and on to the next matchup, which you called with Russ, Canberra Olympic 1, uh, Tuggeron United 1, Ihegi and Bunel with the goals for their respective sides. Ihegi started off the scoring uh, really early in the third minute with a fantastic uh, diving header. And then Chris uh, Ray also scored a header, but that was disallowed due to offside. Uh, it's safe to say that the return for, of Nick Forst and Oli Vitica helped uh, Olympic not only defensively, but also the leadership that they bring to that squad. And in classic Tuggies fashion in the second half, uh, they came out all, all guns blazing and uh, tried to uh, get back in the matchup like we've seen quite a few times this season. A bit of a scrappy goal for Bunel's uh, goal coming off his thigh, but you... You can you you take uh, you take those opportunities as soon as you get it, and then they also had a there was a bit of a scrappy altercation, which was a disallowed goal uh, as it was called for a free kick for Olympic. Uh, like I said, Steve, you commentated on this one with Russ. What did you think of how the match played out? It was a bit of a grind. I mean, two teams that are just struggling a little bit for form. Olympic, I think, have only got one draw in the last four. Um, that was their best result over the last month. And Tuggeron, um had played three draws in a row before the game on the weekend, now four. So the game sort of reflected where those teams were at in terms of form. But um, there were patches of some really good football. The, the, our heavy goal was a cracker. It was a really good header, well, a, a well-worked free, uh, corner. And he got on the end of it. And he made his run from the near post, bent his run, to the back post to get on the end of the cross. So um, it's obviously something they've worked on uh, at training. And Tobinong in the second half, as you suggest, Matt, came out and were much, much better than they had been in the first half and got themselves back into the game with a little bit of a scrappy goal. Um, And then really got on top and they were then let down by, uh, again, some petulant behaviour by uh, some of the players, resulting in a red card to one of their central defenders, and that changed the momentum back towards Olympic. So both teams probably put themselves into a position where they might have got all three points, but would probably uh, unreasonably be satisfied with a one-all draw. And in terms of Olympic, I mentioned the return of Force and Vidika. Before this, they they conceded five goals, I believe, in uh, each of their last two matches without Force and Vidika. Uh, can you just explain a little bit about um, how what, what they bring uh, in terms of their defensive quality and leadership uh, in in terms of um, their sort of status as as leaders in that Olympic team? 
yeah, look, it's vitally important that they have um, Faust and Whitaker available to them. He, he, uh, it's a young team that Robbie Cadmatch is putting together. Um, you know, we talked previously about how Yuli Silver is trying to make a team out of a largely disparate group. Well, Robbie Cadmatch faces the same sort of challenge. Um, and to help you get to where you want to be, you need your best players, your most experienced players, to buy into the process. And Faust and Weedeker, you bring a lot of experience, but they also bring a lot of quality and a lot of leadership. And it's the way that they can steer people around the park that makes a difference to them. So without them, they're not quite the same team. Um, but with them in the side, they're capable of competing with anybody. So it's vitally important that they keep them fit. And in terms of Tuggerong, they're still yet to find their first win, but they do find themselves in seventh place with uh, four draws and a better goal difference than Monaro so far. Like I mentioned, four draws, most of them have had to fight back from behind for them. What what does Tuggerong need to do to get over the line for their first win this season? Look, they're very close. They're not playing bad football. They're very, very well organised. Mitch Stevens knows his group really well. And in my humble opinion, he's starting to put round pegs in round holes. And by example, Johnny Turek has been playing in the middle of the back four or the middle of the back three. And I think that's better suited. He's better suited to that. On the weekend, he played Cam Doherty initially as a 10. Um, and that to my mind, was an experiment that didn't quite work. But when Cam went into his more familiar fullback or wingback role, he was better off. But they're, they're just lacking a goal scorer at the moment. They're creating opportunities. Um, they're actually establishing some dominance in games. They're actually competing quite well between the penalty areas. Um, but they just need that sharpshooter that will actually get them a dozen goals a season. And that might be the difference between them missing out on the top four or, or, and, and fighting the relegation battle. At the moment, they'll be really pleased that they've had four games undefeated, but they do really need to send them into three points now. And the next matchup, which uh, you also commentated with Russ, Bengalian United 1, Canberra Croatia 0. Uh, John with the goal in the 60th minute. Big three points for the home side. This is probably one of their biggest results of the season. Uh, of course, against the defending champions, Canberra, Croatia. Uh, Nikos Kalfas uh, pr- probably had uh, one of the best chances in that first half, hitting the hitting the uh, crossbar there. Um, K- Gungala United weren't able to create as many chances as uh, Canberra, Croatia, but Michael John's goal, that was an absolute beauty, probably uh, the goal of the round or one of the goals of the round at the very least. But... Uh, Gungala United, uh, they still they played very well. They all fought for each other. They worked very hard defensively, as you need to against Canberra Croatia. You can't you can't expect to get away with not putting in a very good defensive performance against the reigning champions. Laguda made a great save uh, five minutes from time as well. He pulled off some terrific saves, and Pilkington also had a spectacular bicycle kick uh, near the end of the matchup. But Laguda was able to save that one as well. And then, of course, there was a bit of a bust up at the end of the matchup with both sides sort of getting involved in that. It's never good to see, but it's a bit hard to ignore as it was straight after the final whistle and all over the camera. And also Bernabeu Madrid and Ethan Stamatis were both out for Gunners. Bernabeu Madrid 
suffered a knock on Friday. So that was sort of a late decision. And Ethan Stamatis is out until he gets cleared from his concussion from uh, that 50-50 challenge he had against Belconi United uh, the week before. Steve, uh, a lot to unpack in this one. What did you make of how the game played out? Look, I was really impressed with um, the Gunners' defensive efforts. They, uh, they would have come into this game as slight underdogs. There was no doubt about it. And I think we've got to bear in mind as well that Canberra-Croatia might have had one eye on the FFA Cup semi-final against Monero this coming Wednesday. So, you know, Dean, you really picked the team that, I, that he thought would win the game, no doubt. Um, but I thought Gangarlan, although they suffered a little bit with the lack of possession, when they did create chances, they looked very dangerous. And the winning goal was an absolute cracker. Um, Michael John has got that in his locker. He had, you know, back to goal and turned and hit it with his right foot and he gave Sam Brown in the Croatia goal, no chance at all. It was a really wonderful finish. But the game, I think, was won and lost on Van Garland's ability to stay resilient and repel any of the Canberra Croatia attacks. And then Buddy Abbas, uh, they had somebody that was an absolute rock at the back for them. Um, Laguda backed that up with some fine saves. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, and I thought Nicky Rathgen and Nicky Darling really wonderful job on Colbertaldo and Kia Etel. So it's a game that Canberra Croatia will look back on and say, yes, we've got the better chances. Um, and maybe through Calfa sitting in the post and he had a couple of other chances or half chances, um, they might have got something out of the game. But full credit to Gungarland because they defended um, like 11 Warriors and on that basis alone probably deserved the win. And in terms of Gungarland United, it's safe to say they probably haven't been uh, as consistent as they would have liked so far this season. But when they put on a great performance like today with their defensive performance or their second half performances against Belconnen and especially Olympic, I, I, I still say like that second half performance against Olympic is still one of the best halves I've seen any, any side play so far this season. So... Uh, it, uh, for Marcel uh, Munoz, obviously it's not hard when you've got. Uh, sorry, obviously it's hard when you have uh, you know players like Jack Green uh, out for the rest of the season. You sort of need to revolve yeah. a different sort of setup. But how would you try and uh, put it all together for you know a full ninety minutes, sort of like they did today, but uh, going going forward throughout the season? Look, I think we've got to sort of take it a game, and I know it sounds a bit cliche, but take it a game at a time, and depending on your opposition, set the team up accordingly. I think Marcel looked at what he was facing on Saturday and said, we're going to have to defend well, we're going to spend a lot of time in this game without the ball, and we're going to have to be well-organised and disciplined, and the, the players carried out his game plan really, really well. They still posed a threat going forward, and when you consider that... Uh, they lost the creative abilities of Bernardo Madrid and they've lost Jack Green, who both in defence and going forward is one of their quality players or, you know, it, it would walk into any side in the competition. Um, they're actually doing it on a bare-bones squad, in effect, but they're doing it really well. And Marcel Munoz, over the last two or three seasons, has shown that he can get a team to play and, and, and very attractive brand of football. He hasn't sacrificed those principles, but he certainly made them harder to beat. 
and in my opinion, that's the way to go. And with Canberra Croatia uh, heading into Tigers for the weekend, probably not the result they would have liked, but they did create enough chances to, um, to you know, yeah, get a result for themselves. Yes, they did. Um, you know, Calfas had chances. A little bit unlucky when he hit the post. Jason McGrinnick, when he came on, forced a good save out of Laguda, tipped it around the post for a corner. Um, they did create chances, and they will because they've got such high quality across the park. Um, and you've still got the likes of Thomas James to join the squad. So they're going. They're looking okay. They've had an inconsistent start. I'm sure Dean um, would look at it and thought, you know, we need to be, you know, losing two or three games in the first seven is not the way they would have planned it. Um, but nonetheless. After seven games, they're in striking distance of where they want to be, and they can certainly kick on from there. And it really is a matter now of how they handle the game on Sunday, the game on Wednesday, and then the game against Tigers. They're backing up three games in a week. Never easy to do when you're part-timers, but he's got a strong squad. Um, he's got a lot of depth. He's, he's suffering a little bit through injury. I think Nicky Bobolis is injured. Um, and I think he's suffering a little bit um, because some of his better players are just a little below par at the moment. Don't Daniel Colpatabo was quiet on the weekend, but I don't expect that he'll be quiet for much longer. And once he hits his stats, he hits his stats, they become a better side going forward. So I don't think there's anything for Canberra Croatia to be particularly concerned about at this stage. But it hasn't gone exactly according to plan either. And Tungaro United and Gungahlin play that catch-up match from a few rounds back. They're playing that on Wednesday as well at the AIS. On to the last matchup of the round. Tigers 3, Monaro Panthers 1 over at Nijong in Kuma. Popovich with two goals. Golevsky with another goal. And Calabria once again with a goal for Monaro Panthers. Tigers cemented themselves at the top of the league standings uh, with this victory over Monaro who hadn't lost uh, in their previous two games as well, heading into this one. Uh, Popovich opened the scoring uh, after great work by Jay Kelly down that left-hand side to pick out his teammate. Uh, Frank Kasher, of course, wasn't there for this one. He hasn't been well. Hopefully he's doing uh, uh, better now. Uh, Monaro Panthers did get themselves back in the contest with a great free kick from Calabria himself. Uh, Monaro Panthers had their chance to go ahead, though, uh, when uh, McLaughlin struck, struck the post. And, and uh, Golevsky scored that final goal for the Tigers. Thoughts on this uh, result, Steve, over at Nijong? I believe this is Tigers' first match at Nijong since round one. So, Yeah. I, I mean, I only saw this uh, game on TV, but um, really good result for Tigers on the, on the back of a strong performance. Uh, Kelly was really, really good, certainly in the first half. He gave... Um, the Monero defence a torrid old time and uh, Popovich has continued his good goal-scoring form. Um, Tigers, I think, are probably the form team at the moment in the competition. And Monero, um, although suffering a little bit because of uh, injury and absence, they put out quite a strong side uh, on the weekend and might have expected to do a little bit better. But the, sort of the results over the first seven games of the, of the comp haven't gone Monero's way, and they'll be looking to turn a corner quickly. And they uh, they might have thought they'd done that when they beat Tengar a couple of weeks ago. Um, but 
you know, three one, and it was a comfortable victory in the end for Tigers, um, and you know, put them on the top of the league. And unfortunately for Monero, they're propping the table up at the moment. Yeah, and Calabria once again stepped up for his side. How pivotal has he been over the last couple of weeks? He's been lethal, hasn't he? I mean, he's a goal-scoring machine. A couple against Tuggeranon, um, from both from set pieces, of Oracle, and then another one on the weekend where he sort of blasted one over the wall and into the back. And I think um, Jacob Cole, when he looks at that again, will probably think he should have done better in terms of making the save. But nonetheless, on target, he deserves a chance. And from left back, Josh Calabria scored three in his last two games is a pretty good effort. And it's perhaps an example that some of these more illustrious forward players could follow because that's what they're lacking at the moment. You know, that Dominici got a couple against Grand Garland, but he isn't scoring on a regular basis, as we, we know he can. Um, and as soon as he does hit his scraps, and Kobe Danning as well, who played on the weekend, as soon as they start finding the back of it, then Monero can look forward to a brighter future. And Tigers have been on quite a roll uh, heading into this one. They sort of started with uh, mm. uh, they sort of started a bit inconsistent as well at the start of the season, but it's safe to say that they've sort of found their form heading into the FFA Cup uh, final as well. Whoever they verse out of the winners of Canberra Croatia and Canberra Croatia and Monaro Panthers. So, any any last thoughts on Tigers before we move on? Well, I think, uh, like I said uh, earlier, I think they're the form team at the moment. They had a tough game on Wednesday night against Ugali, who um, really did themselves proud and then held the, the game to nil-nil until almost the last kick of the match. Um, but they back it up and taken on a reasonably strong Monero side and beaten them comfortably, and that's continued their good form from the last few weeks in the NPL. So, look, they're, they're the team to beat at the moment. After seven rounds, you get a better indication of where teams might be at in terms of their form, and they're the ones that are, at the moment, setting the standard for everybody else to chase. And before we get into the previews and predictions, I'll have a quick look at the ladder. So, essentially, Monaro is in eighth place with four points. Tuggeron United is in seventh place with four points, still with that match to play uh, midweek, the match in hand. Canberra Olympic in sixth place with eight points. Gungahlin United in fifth place with eight points with that match in hand, which comes midweek. Belcon United in fourth place with 11 points. Canberra Croatia in third place with 12 points. West Canberra Wanderers in second place with 13 points. And Tigers FC, the informed side, with 14 points at the top of the table. All right, Steve, heading into round eight, we first have Belcon United against Tuggeron United. Saturday, May 29th, 3 p.m. at McKellar Park. Uh, my, um, Michael is going with a Belconnor win for this one. It's, 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 it's a difficult one to see how this one's going to play out. Belconnor will be raring to go, though, uh, after their loss against West Canberra. I'm going to go for a Belconnor one here, but I think it's going to be a very tight matchup. How do you see this one playing out, Steve? <laughs> Look, I mean, if you were a betting man, you'd probably go the draw, given the form that Tuggeron brings to the game. Um, I think Belcon and McKellar are a different outfit, um, taking them away from the synthetic, taking them away from smaller grounded Canberra and putting them onto um, the, the bigger pitch at McKellar, I think suits Belcon. 
but I'm not prepared to write Tagalong off at this stage. And I think it probably, or it could well be a draw, a sport draw. All right. And next up, we have Canberra Olympic Monaro Panthers, Saturday, May 29th, 3 p.m. at O'Connor in, Claw- in close. Michael saying a draw for this one. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say a draw as well. I, I, it, this is always a... I was about to say this is always a tight match, but we did see what the score was at the start of the season between these two. Of course, in the reverse fixture, Canberra Olympic won 4-1, I believe. Monaro have improved, though, in that time. They've improved defensively with the likes of Sam Rosbarken as well in midfield to sort of help track those, those runners. That's what they were missing when they played Olympic in that first leg. I think Monaro will step up for this one. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with the draw. You, uh, what, how do you see this one playing out, Steve? Yeah, look, it, 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 I agree. It's a very hard one to predict. Uh, you've also got the complicating factor that Monero had a tough game on Wednesday night. Um, should they get beaten in that, um, psychologically, it might just create another problem for them. If you, you know, if they were to be beaten heavily by Canberra Croatia in a semi final, then they've got to back up on the weekend, and it's a difficult task. Uh, I'm, I'm going to clump for an Olympic win but in a very, very close one. It could go either way. It certainly could. Uh, next up, Gungahlin United, West Canberra Wanderers, Sunday, May 30th, 3 p.m. AS Grassfields 2. Michael says West Canberra for this one. This is this is another one that's either here nor there. Gungahlin United, it's, it's, it's a hard one to tell. Gungahlin United, with that impressive performance that we did see against Canberra Croatia defensively, of course, you have to look to the fact that they will be playing midweek. They did beat them in the reverse fixture at the start of the season 4-1, uh, and West Canberra have improved quite a bit since then. I'm going to go with Gungahlin here, but it's there's not going to be a lot in this one. And it, it, this one also could be very high scoring as well. Uh, what are you going to go with, Steve? Yeah. You take your life in your own hands, don't you, trying to predict this season's competition? <laughs> We'd still for a bit of fun. Yeah, um, look, I think the fact that Gungahlin have got to play midweek um, will probably have an impact on the weekend's game. So I'm going to just suggest that uh, West Western can uh, shade it in a close one, 3-2. All right, next up, Canberra Croatia Tigers FC, Sunday, May 30th, 3pm at Deakin Stadium. Michael's going with the Canberra Croatia win for this one. I'm pretty sure I went with this one last time and I was wrong, but Canberra Croatia, I'm sure, would definitely be looking to bounce back and Tigers are in much better form than they started this season. Of course, the start of the season, Canberra Croatia won 3-0 against Tigers. I'm going to sit on the fence with this one and go with the draw. How about you, Steve? Look, I think I agree with you. I think this one has got two teams that are quite evenly matched. Tigers will be looking for a little bit of revenge after being beaten three 0 in the first in the first game. And they are in terrific form. Croatia do have to play in midweek. Um, I think a draw is probably a fair estimate. All right, that's us for MPL one done this week. Steve, do you know uh, which matches you're going to be doing this week to let everyone know for Bar TV with Russ? Oh, well, I don't know whether I'm actually doing anything on the weekend. I haven't spoken to Russ about it yet, but um, I think RTV are doing the Tuggeranong game, Tuggeranong-Belconnen game on Saturday. 
and I'm not sure about what's happening on Sunday. Um, but as soon as Russ knows, or I, he lets me know, he put something up on Facebook for everybody to see. He certainly will, and you will be calling the FA Cup match midweek, I'm assuming, with Russ. Yes, I, I'm doing that one on Wednesday night, um, but we, he hasn't sort of um, mentioned, he might be sick of hearing my voice, he might be looking for some a change of tune. Um, so yeah, I, I, yeah so, uh, Wednesday night, FFA Cup semi-final, but beyond that, to be advised. <laughs> All good. Well, thank you very much for joining me, Steve. I look forward to having you back on the show soon. Thanks, Matt. It's been a pleasure. See you, mate. Thank you. Jeremy, welcome back to the show, MPLW segment now. Loving that uh, jacket in the background, mate. <laughs> Look, I, I, had to, uh, I had to pay you homage. You, uh, you did it at the last game. I still don't know how Napoli, Napoli didn't win against uh, Verona, but um, Juventus is back in Champions League. So uh, congratulations to you and your club, Matt. Uh, look, it's not exactly a season to be proud of. Um, you know, <laughs> let's be honest. But hey, uh, at least they're back in Champions League because... Yeah, with the lack of funds without Champions League, they probably would have been set back about three years without it. For so sure. at the very least, at least Champions League is an achievement because now at least they can try and build on it. And hopefully Zidane leaves Madrid and we get Zidane, but I'm probably living in fantasy land there, but anyway. He's leaving Madrid for sure. Who knows where he's going to land, but he's leaving Madrid for sure. Fingers crossed, Juve it is. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Jeremy, very busy weekend of MPLW as mm-hmm. always. Let's start with Balcon United against West Canberra Wanderers. We, we actually predicted, predicted this one correct. 1-1. One, one. Uh, backhouse with the goal for Belconnie United. Stanbury with the goal for West Canberra Wanderers. Pretty close matchup at McKellar. Emma Stanbury's Wanderers, of course, came into this with, uh, with uh, fantastic form. And they had a really good chance to snag the victory with Sophia Chavera's uh, shot. They hit the post. And they were probably... They were probably feel like coming out of that the, they should have gotten the victory. Uh, Belcon United, though, um, obviously not the result they were looking for. They did bounce back last week against Togaron United. Uh, so what did you make of the whole matchup altogether? Yeah, a great game. And, you know, it's uh, we talked about this with Emma back uh, uh, back during the, the Federation Cup semifinal where, uh, where she was like, you know, I told you at the beginning of the season that we were um, we were getting better and gearing up and gearing up, and and, and there we are now. Uh, and yeah, there's only so many so many times where you're going to cause an upset before you're um, before you're considered one of the actual contender. And I think um, Emma is doing just that with the with the group of girls that she has at West Canberra. Uh, I think this game against Belconnen, we've seen uh, one of the main strengths that West Canberra is, and it is um, that physicality and that stamina and that ability to defend um, everywhere on the pitch with that uh, with that intensity. I don't see um, any weak link in that West Canberra team. Everyone sort of uh, work at the same rate and is trying to bring the same thing to the table. Uh, you know, obviously, um, Emma and Tiana, as we keep saying, are a great help. But um, this weekend, I think Sarah Whitfield had an excellent game uh, in defense. I think, you know, um, Sofia Chavera sort of isolated up front because West Canberra was playing, I think, a little bit more defensive than usual. Um, did, did amazing chasing all the balls and was a real problem for uh, for the back three uh, at Belconnen. So, you know, kudos to, to West Canberra because I think they really disrupted um, what the Belconnen game usually is and, and could have been. Uh, I think for Michael Zakowski, it's um, it's just a learning uh, a learning curve. You know, it, it's easy. he is in his first year and he's 
working out his group and he's working out how his group reacts uh, against different type of oppositions. That was the first time that they play a team uh, that at first didn't really come out and then slowly but surely decided to bring the ball a bit higher uh, and cause then problem, I guess, at times a little bit everywhere on the pitch. Uh, I think what we've seen during that game, the thing that maybe could be uh, a worry for uh, for Michael is uh, uh, maybe a bit of frustration at times uh, for Belconen, whether it was just the one game uh, and maybe there was a bit of chit-chatter in the game, but, uh, but there was a, a lot of fouls um, in, in that game, a lot of um, also, yeah, I guess, what would look like frustrated fouls. Um, so, so maybe, you know, the, yeah, the team, the team, both teams, I guess, are building up and both teams are trying to ramp up for the rest of the season uh, and are trying to make sure they, they get along. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how, uh, how they travel for the second round. But I think that that weekend result was sort of um, deserved, you know, the, the draw. I think Belconen, although didn't look as um, dangerous as maybe West Canberra has been, especially with that change that uh, Sofia Chavera had, uh, Belconen still had a lot of opportunities to end in the box, you know, Mickey Thornton, um, Olivia Bonford find themselves in the box a couple of times. Bianca Kipton uh, twice or three times. She drives the ball all the way into the box and unfortunately uh, just doesn't have enough power in there. Talia Backhouse a couple of times tried to be a little bit too selfless instead of taking a chance from inside the box. So they have the opportunities. They find themselves in the right position. Just maybe a bit of lack of confidence in the finishing or... Uh, uh, or yeah, maybe maybe sometimes trying to do the right thing uh, a little bit too much instead of being selfish and going for goal uh, could be the difference in a game like this. Uh, but but yeah, kudos to both teams to uh, having fought the fight uh, and uh, and I think both teams had the chance to score the second goal. Uh, it's a shame for both that they, they couldn't in the end. And that was also a great goal from Backhouse as well. Very um, very fearless in going for that uh, that challenge with the head. Uh, to get that header away. So, in but in terms of West Canberra, of course, they're going to be facing uh, Canberra Croatia in the Fed Cup final. Uh, does a result like this uh, give them a lot more, uh, a lot, not that they don't have a lot of confidence we've seen in the last however many weeks, but does, does this give them even more confidence that they can go and uh, sort of upset uh, Canberra Croatia, knowing that they can do both sides of the ball? And more importantly, tactically, most of their plans have paid off so far in the last five, six uh, matches against big opposition. Yeah, exactly. I think they're they are growing that confidence in self-defensive right now against the biggest team. Uh, you know, um, they Ganga in 1-0 last week. Um, this week, they're able to uh, to keep Belkon only one goal when the fire got in front. Uh, and, and, you know, you're mentioning that goal from, uh, from Talia Backhouse. Um, she felt it perfectly and she pounced at the right time to, to put that header. Uh, but technically it's a mistake from um, the West Canberra defense not being here or like maybe lacking focus for just a second uh, where I, so I can't remember this. I think it's Isabel D'Amico uh, who, uh, who anticipate the ball and then think it's going to go straight to Janet King so doesn't jump for the header, which is, the ball seems anecdotic uh, at first. Uh, and then Janet King that hesitate and then by the time she comes out, Backhouse has read it and, and headed in. So without that one mistake, they, they can get that game. Um, so for, for the confidence, I think definitely it's going to help them. Uh, same what I was telling you about, talking about Belkonen not being able to put the ball in the back of the net. Uh, same can be said about um, 
West Canberra sometimes don't don't back themselves enough. I think uh, a couple of uh, free kicks could have had uh, better. Yeah, West Canberra had a, a couple of free kicks uh, opportunity as well, and you know Emma Stambury, um had one just going wide, uh, but a couple of times the ball just sort of runs through the the goal line, and there's no there's nobody at the second at uh, the far post to try and put the ball in, which is something that we heard uh, Emma asking her team to do uh, last week against Gangalen. Um, so there are opportunities for them as well to to be able to score. Not that they're feeling probably confident defensively. Uh, I'm assuming the next step is to uh, to make sure that they have enough um, goals in to finish the season. And next up, we've got Canberra, Croatia, Gangala United. Canberra, Croatia 2, Gangala United 1. Canberra, Croatia le- leaving it relatively late. Uh, Palombi and Chantel Jones with the goals there. Natalie DeMarco with the goal for Gangala United. Uh, another big win for Canberra Croatia. Gagali United did well, though, to hold them for quite a while. And with ANU losing in the MPL 2 this week, that makes Canberra Croatia the women's the only undefeated side left in the three senior competitions. Unfortunate loss for Gangali United because this does sort of stretch. This does leave them in sixth place and leaves them with a bit of a losing streak. Not that they've performed... Um, not that they've performed, you know, that, mm-hmm. you know badly, but uh, unfortunately, that's what the uh, results do show at the moment for them. So, what are your thoughts? What were your thoughts on this one, Jeremy, when you watched it back? Um, yeah, look, you know, I, I think Gangalen maybe deserved more, um, at least on their defensive form. Uh, they they were impressive defensively. They really uh, prevented Canberra Croatia from playing their usual game. They played low, like they were dropping really low. In their last 30, whenever Canberra Croatia had the ball, uh, there was seven or eight players from Gongalin between the ball and the goal. So whenever, you know, at Krista Hagen has a couple of volleys, uh, same for Jamie Berkeley, Olivia Fogarty, there's always uh, a foot, an ankle, a knee, a leg, something uh, with, with a black shirt on, on the way to the ball. So, um, so Kelly Tonini actually didn't have a lot of work to do because her defense uh, was so dense in front of her, which is something that we hadn't seen until very, very late in the season last year. The ability uh, that um, Diego Iglesias um, has to uh, to put his team in, in the right shape to defend against uh, those big teams. Uh, at the end of the day, Canberra Croatia does get the win again. Uh, and, you know, it's it's kind of like last year when uh, when they were not really good at the beginning of the season, but we're getting the three points regardless. Uh, yesterday, they they played a good game. They just they just had a wall in front of them and a wall that had the the ability to actually get the ball up properly and and to um, apply pressure organized and, and the right way for 90 minutes. Um, so so it was a bit hard. They, they they got a couple of a couple of lucky breaks. The the first goal, uh, the penalty, even from from Nick's point of view, it's a uh, it's a generous penalty given to Canberra Croatia. Uh, I think Gamba, Ruby Gambale, uh, her hands are really close to her when when the ball uh, hits the arm, and, and the ref doesn't hesitate. Um, so so it's hard to start the game like this for for Gangalin. They are able to um, they are able to equalize on a little uh, mistake by uh, the Canberra Croatia goalkeeper because otherwise they don't have a lot more shot uh, on target. I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, anybody who's uh, who's watching, but I feel like besides the goal from Natalie DeMarco, I think there's maybe one other shot on target um, from, from Gungain, which is not something that we're used to. Uh, there was some opportunities up front. There was some, uh, at, at times, some opportunities on the wings. Uh, but until the last 
20 minutes. Gangalin just stayed back, you know, absorbed the pressure, absorbed um, all the offense that Canberra Croatia was throwing at them and made sure that maybe they were trying to tire Canberra Croatia so they could come out stronger at the end. Uh, when they did start to come out, they kind of like smothered the midfield of Canberra Croatia, uh, which is, again, something that's hard to do. Uh, and that Gangalin did really well. And at that point, when I was watching the game, I was thinking, oh, that's when maybe they could have scored the goal that would have uh, put Canberra Croatia KO. Unfortunately, um, you know, a, a ball is uh, is deflected. We talked about it offline, uh, whether it was uh, whether it was offside or not for uh, for Chantel Jones uh, on that one. And the rule of the game said that apparently it's not offside in, uh, in in Australia. So I'm happy to uh, I'm happy to hear that explanation. Uh, but yeah, Chantel Jones doesn't need a lot of opportunities, right? So if she's going to find herself uh, alone in front of a goalkeeper that she knows very well because she trains there um, sometimes uh, during the week, um, she, she had she had the wonderful um, calm and composure to just chip that ball on the just over the shoulder of Kelly Tonini. Um, it's something that, unfortunately, for Gangalin, they pay um, straight away when they make, I don't even know if it's a mistake, when they have two details in the game not going their way. Uh, that Canberra, which maybe is what did you say you know the, the luck of the champion um Canberra Croatia doesn't have that when when Gengarin has an opportunity to score uh there's no legs fast enough to be able to tap the ball in uh on the other side it works well for Canberra Croatia so both teams had a very good game I think we've seen we've seen what you should do to be able to uh um keep Canberra Croatia quiet um Gengarin has given a good uh a good opportunity to everyone to see what can be done. Uh, obviously, Camera Croatia was without Grace Gill, um, which which is she's not the only talented player in that team, of course. But we know how much she brings uh, on the field when she's here. It's uh it's good that Nick Bozinic and his team can still get wins um, when they're not at the top of their form. It's what they did last year as well, and we we know what that brought them. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what they're going to do this weekend. And. Before we move on, Gungarland being in sixth place, obviously it's a, there's still a lot of time to go in this season. They don't need a lot of wins to get back into that top four. But this is a bit of unfamiliar territory for them and they haven't been on uh, the best of streaks in that regard. What, what, what do you think uh, Diego would be, uh, would be saying to the girls right now to get them back on track for next week? Well, I mean, th- that shows two things, right? Like you say, it's, it's unusual to see Gungarland in sixth place. It also tells us how exciting the NPLW is this season. Having six teams that can contend for for top four, and having six teams that will contend for top four until the very end. Uh, I mean, you know, Jago and his girls—they uh, are not used to be in that position for the last two, three years, and they don't want to be in that position. And we've seen a little bit more aggressivity, a little bit more, um, I guess, uh, savviness. I'd say this weekend against Canberra Croatia, where they were not. Um, no one was getting past them too easily. There was some smart fouls here and there on the pitch to make sure that Canberra Croatia couldn't find a break. Uh, something that we haven't seen in the in the games before, where there was a little bit of complacency. Uh, so I think they're seeing what's missing and they're seeing what they have to do. Um, it's funny that we're going to talk about something that we thought we we're not going to talk about with uh, with Gangalin when we saw the beginning of the season. But again, a front is where um, the issue comes uh, once more, where uh, LKI Tolu was very isolated against Canberra Croatia because of how they played. And whenever she get the ball, it's hard for her to get um, solutions around because everyone was playing so low. So I, I know, you know, um, seeing how Gungarin has been playing, we haven't seen the the, the Silky Smooth Tiki Taka that they've used us to do. So we haven't seen um, 
the flawless offense that we've seen from them before. We know now again that they build that confidence defensively. It's going to be about building the flow of the of the ball and getting the ball out quickly and you know using uh, the the limitless skills they have in the midfield and up front um, to try and get that ball uh, you know that, that that ball to smile a little bit more when it's uh, in a in a gunner's fit uh, and to get a little bit faster and a little bit um, a little bit better, I guess, with better execution all the way to the other box instead of seeing those long balls for the striker. And next up, we have Wagga City Wanderers 2, Canberra United Academy 6, Cameron and Castle with the goals for the Wanderers, and Roden with 2, Hunt, Christofferson, and both the Groves with goals for CUA. Another impressive display from CUA, Jeremy, like we've mentioned the last couple of weeks, this newfound intensity that they have with Vicky Linton on the bench, once again was on display today. Uh, you can even tell just by the way they're winning the ball back in midfield and, and and just in the middle of the park, whenever they get a loose ball immediately, they're just uh, using a lot more intensity, a lot more, aggre- uh, a lot more aggressiveness that we haven't really seen from uh, that. Well, we didn't see from Canberra United last year, a lot of the time anyway. Uh, so what did you make of uh, this encounter over at Gissing Oval in Wagga? Uh, good game for the academy, of course, the intensity all along the, the 90 minutes. Uh, I, I think Wagga City um, did, did good. Um, at, at first, they they defended well. They defended not too high, so they let uh, the academy have a bit of the ball and try and process it counter-attack. Uh, again, unfortunately, a penalty that's very, very generous given for Canberra uh, Intel Academy to start the game. Um, where, where I think everyone's a bit surprised that there was penalty, uh, but obviously then then it's one nil. Uh, Canberra um, United Academy did, did you know the perfect game uh, playing playing in their strengths and playing into the weaknesses uh, of their opponent. Uh, the Wanderers kind of shot themselves in the foot uh, when one of the players was sent to the sin bin for for dissent, um, disrespecting the referee in the middle of the pitch. Unfortunately, we'll. Uh, We'll always send you out for 10 minutes in uh, in NPLW. Um, so then 10, 10 players against 11 uh, when you're Waga City and you're facing uh, a team of Canberra Inter Academy who's definitely uh, finding their groove right now. Um, it's always going to be hard. And, and, you know, the academy scores once, twice. And as soon as the player is back, they score the four goal. And then and then it's almost game over. Uh, yeah, there's there's an, an appeal for, for handball on that third, on that third goal, but it, would, it could have been a goal regardless uh, of that handball, uh, it, it makes it makes the job really hard when uh, every time Waga City makes a mistake, they pay it straight away with a goal against them. Uh, and it's not that they don't fight the fight; they really do fight the fight. They have a, a few injuries, unfortunately, so they don't have their best side um, every week right now. But they they just sometimes miss the mark by a meter, or a contact, a duel that doesn't go that way. Uh, and every time this happens, um, they don't they don't have yet the ability to regroup the way we've seen Turgonong regrouping or the way we've seen West Camera regrouping when, when the other team is attacking. They find themselves with six, seven in the box to stop everything. It's a bit too much of a one-on-one. Uh, and and the academy has such speed and strength up front. I mean, Anaheim scored once, but find herself four or five times into the box um, trying to shoot again, you know, Sammy Hems. Uh, a, lot, a lot of saves again for the uh, the Wanderer keeper. We are seeing the academy um, where technically we should see them every year, right? They're supposed to be 
the next players that are going to play in W League. There is one player with W League experience in that team now uh, with Sasha Grove. So we are seeing that um, they can, they should always be able to work with what they're not the best at, which is the physicality, the experience, uh, but balance that with their pace, their stamina, uh, their relentless energy. And we're seeing that right now from the academy, uh, which brings um, that other aspect in the competition where it's not necessarily going to be the most experienced and the strongest team that is going to win because they're going to have to use a lot of energy to try and contain um, the academy. And, and we're going to see that very well, I think, uh, next weekend when, when they host Canberra Croatia. It certainly is going to be an interesting matchup to say the least. So we'll save that for the we'll save that for the preview. But shortly, uh, any last words on Walker City before we move on? Uh, it's 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 a shame Anna Stevens uh, goes out injured again in the in the beginning of the of the game. Uh, we know that they don't have Tess Vakari this season. Um, they're just they're just losing a few a few players, unfortunately, almost every week right now. Um, and it makes it makes it hard. You know they are. Um, they are a young, um, a young crew, a young group. Um, Sam Gray wants to develop young players. Uh, you know, he, he achieved a lot of success a couple of years ago with the under 17. And so a lot of those players from the under 17 are, are going up now. Uh, they are technically another academy without the infrastructure that Camera United are. So they are learning and they are learning the hard way right now. You know, it's, it takes a lot from, from a coach like Sam Gray and from all his staff to motivate those girls week in week out to go back on the field when you've when you didn't have the best of uh, the best of rounds for the first seven games, uh, but we're still seeing you know uh, Kirili Cameron, Megan Castle are slowly but surely finding themselves and and working those combination which brought one goal and most brought the second one. Uh, we, we've seen that they have the ability to to bring the pace and to 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 have those bursts out of uh, of offense going on. It's just consistency but that comes with experience that come with game time uh, and that come with being able to get consistency in your lineup which Sangre doesn't have right now and the final matchup of the round is Canberra Olympic for Tyron United zero Cook with two goals Sykes with a goal Garrick with a goal in the in the dying seconds of the match another a very strong performance from Canberra Olympic their second uh, clean sheet of the season as well which is another positive for them uh, the negatives of them for them coming out of the match, uh, Aisha DeAndrade came down with a knee injury and Anna Bennett came down with either an ankle or a foot injury. So best of luck to both of them in their recoveries. Uh, Tugger United started the match brightly though under new coach Paolo Romero. They seemed a lot more physical uh, in, in the general way they tried to play and the way they tried to win back the ball. Unfortunately though, they did lead to at least one of those penalties Um with that newfound um, physicality anyway for that. I believe it was the first penalty from Cook, the one where she was just sort of cleared immediately, uh, where Sykes was just immediately... Yeah, the, the second one, yeah. Oh, second one, sorry, there you go. She was just, mm-hmm. boom, just um, immediately taken out. So you commentate on this one, Jeremy, with Maddie Moore. How did you feel uh, it, it played out with uh, Towering United, of course, having their new coach, Paolo Romero, there? Like you say, I think that physicality was definitely there. You, you see a little bit of, um, uh, I'm not going to say a, ch- a change in how Turgonong play. I'm just going to say an evolution with what we've been talking about since the beginning of the season. You know, they held uh, Canberra Croatia to, to two nil until the 80th minute. They did the same thing against Balconen until the 75th minute. Um, so they they have the that fighting spirit, that combativity 
Um, that was the first game where um, Steph Coates was back, who's, who's very, very important for Togonong United and was missed the beginning of the season. Unfortunately, she was back, but Ashley Condon, who's been a standout since the beginning of the season, uh, was away. So was Madima G. Um, and we've seen, we were looking at the, we were watching the game with, uh, with Maddie and we say it a couple of times during the broadcast, uh, imagine Togonong with everyone healthy, and playing, you got, you know, Ashley, uh, Lea Condon with Lara Mustaine at the back. Steffi Coase potentially can bring the middle and bring a bit more physicality. Uh, although the, the Daisley sister and uh, and Jackie Freeman did really well this weekend, I think. Uh, and then up front, if you have Maddie Maggi and next to her, uh, Melinda Revel, who, who was there for the last uh, half hour of the game, and Zoe Terry, who, who seems to get into her groove uh, and, and who seems, you know, she wants to perform uh, when you see how she behaves on the field. Uh, she wants to bring that to the team. She wants to bring um, the, the the difference and she wants to bring that attitude of it's never over. We can fight. We can fight. Um, it is, again, a young team, a small market, uh, and it shows in a lot of ways, you know, the, the first penalty. Um, there's definitely penalty. Uh, but Ash Sykes dribbles the goalkeeper and Steffi Coe sort of shows, shoves her in the back. I think, I think, Ash had time to go and get the ball and score it, but she would have had to do a, a big run for it. But she felt the show and she sort of looked at the referee and was like, well, that's definitely a pen. So, so whistled it for me. And, and the ref did. A minute after, Zoe Terry does a beautiful run on the right wing and two players from Olympic, one after the other, go a bit hard on the shoulder. But she tried to still go to the, to the ball instead of falling and potentially getting a free kick. So you see the difference in experience um, there. Obviously, once you score once in penalty, twice in penalty, which is um, two mistakes that you know Steffi Coates uh, did, but it's her first game back, and she wanted to bring that, like we said, that physicality to the to the game. Uh, once you're down two 0 against a team uh, like Coimbra Olympic, who is um, again quite strong everywhere on the pitch, Lara, Ball, Lara Burdett's definitely holding that midfield. Um, the right way and defensively they are back three that can become a back five def- um, sometimes is hard to go through uh, when in the second half as soon as the second half start they get Heather Garriok in who doesn't need to run 100 miles to to have an impact on that team because she talks to everyone she replaces them uh, she obviously she's got magic in that left foot and she's got to be in that right foot as well we've seen it during the game uh, she gets into the the game four minutes later she gives an assist to Ash Sykes, and she was probably able to score two or three during the second half. She scored one at the very end. Uh, but there is a lot of talent in Canberra Olympic. Uh, Canberra Olympic was playing without, without Tanya Miro. Uh, Rachel Hardwick um, seemed not injured, but took a knock or two. And so in the second half, she sort of um, slowed down the intensity a little bit. Uh, Anna Van den Bruch replaced um, Anna Bennett, but um, Anna Van den Bruch had played, I think, over, over the over a half in the reserve just before. Um, so for a team that doesn't have a lot of depth like Canberra Olympic, uh, they definitely make up for it with the talent, with the speed, uh, with the way they use Ash Sykes, who's now nine goal and, and all nine of them are from like five meters away from the goal line or less. Um, so, you know, she doesn't take, she doesn't gamble. She takes chances when she knows they're going to go uh, in the back of the net. And that's not a lot of teams do that. So if they play on their strength and if, and if they keep going, no doubt that um, Nick Begg is going to be very, very happy come the end of the season. Yeah, and qu- uh, quickly on that before we move on, Olympic, they, there was that sort of period where they weren't getting the results they would have liked, but we were, you were, uh, we were all constantly saying how, how well they played, though. 
they were conceding a lot though. So how important is it for them to get like a second clean sheet, knowing that they already, knowing that they know what they can do going forward? It was just a matter of, you know, just uh, the 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 way the draw was set out that he came up against the tougher teams. Do you think a couple of these good defensive performances as well as um, putting away more goals is going to sort of grow their confidence for when they have that exact same draw again in the coming uh, th- three or so rounds? Yeah, very important. And the game, the game could have been completely different on Sunday. The first three minutes uh, twice, and unfortunately, Aurelia Haynes um, sort of fumbled the ball in between her gloves. And so Tergonon could have been up one or two, and, and there goes your clean sheet. So that confidence had to be rebuilt for the keeper during the game, but also for the whole defense together to know that they can't give those ones away. It's also, I think, the third game or the fourth game, maybe, um, that the defense is um, Courtney House, Brittany uh, Fiorezzi, and Ali Cook. Before that, it was only two defenders. So they had to find how, they, how to work together, who's going to cover the long ball, who's going to be more aggressive on the striker. And they had to find their... Um, how they're going to look after each other and, and who's bringing the ball the ball forward and, and when they can play short, when they can play long. So they're slowly getting into all these. They're slowly working out that physically, I think they are very strong, the three of them, Hals, uh, Cook, um, and Fiorezzi, and, and they bring a lot of size in the defense, which is a problem for other teams. Uh, then Lara Burdett sometimes feels a little bit alone, I think, into, into the midfield. Um, ne- next next to her, uh, Lucy Darcy, who's very talented, uh, maybe doesn't have the 90 minutes that Lara Burdett has in her legs uh, to, to be running around the whole time and to make sure that you got two number six that are very strong. As soon as the ball goes higher than that, though, Rachel Hardwick, Ashley um, Sykes, Anna Bennett, who's injured, Tanya Miro, there are forward players that are very good defensively that disrupt a lot of the first ball going out. And, and if they do the job the right way, then then it's so much easier for the girls behind because we've seen it on this weekend. Turgonong was trying to play the short ball and losing the ball too quickly. So they went for the long ball and it was, you know, all day for those three behind. They want they want long balls all day. They're very happy to uh, to jump and head them away. Uh, so So I think they are building themselves up, like we said many times, uh, Olympic, and, and they are getting where we want them to get. We'll see when they face those big teams, how they, uh, how they manage to keep that 3-5-2 in shape. And before we move on to predictions, let's quickly go through the ladder. They've been updated uh, quite uh, quickly over the last couple of weeks, which is great to see. <laughs> Uh, so we're in eighth place, we've got Tuggeron with zero points. Seventh place, Wagga City Wanderers with three points. Gungalan United in sixth place with nine points. Five points, sorry, in uh, sorry in fifth place, Canberra Olympic with 10 points. West Canberra Wanderers in fourth place with 10 points. Canberra United Academy in third place with 14 points. Belconnen United, uh, United in second place with 16 points. And Canberra Croatia are undefeated at the top of the table with 19 points. Jeremy, we'll quickly um, we'll quickly mention how we all did this week. I forgot to mention the last bit, so I'll quickly say how we went in the other one. So Michael and I had a whopping one and one out of four correct in MPL one again. So we're tied at eight eight. Look at you. Eight in eight, eight in eight, eight in seven, in seven rounds. Games. We've only got an eight correct. So there you go. Only Professionals <laughs> in MPL one anyway. MPLW. I uh, was uh, four for four this week, which is uh, good to see for once. MPLW. Uh-huh. 
You were three, Michael was three. So overall, it's you 17, Michael 19, me 21. MPL two, I only got one correct. Michael got two correct. So Michael 14, me 16 is creeping up, up to me in MPL two. So interesting, uh, interesting week overall. Oh, look, I'm just happy I didn't get zero for MPL one. <laughs> That's sure, what I'm happy close. about. So let's uh, let's give it another crack, shall we, this week. Wagga City Wanderers, Belconnen United, Sunday, May 30th, 2.30 p.m. at Gissing Oval. Michael says a Belconnen United win. I'm going to agree here. We've said this several times, but unfortunately for Wagga City Wanderers, when they continue to play that high line, it is literally the perfect scenario for a team like Belconnen United to capitalise. I'm going to go with Belconnen United here. How about you, Jeremy? Yeah, Belconnen as well. I think... Uh... I think Wagga City isn't far from being able to cause those upsets at home, uh, but they are not there yet. With a full team, I, I would uh, yeah. almost confidently go for a draw because Belkonen is also trying to uh, to rebuild themselves slowly. Uh, I mean, you know, Belkonen has a full team, with, uh, which once again, they can be lucky about because uh, I think Miki Tonton could have missed the, the next game if <laughs> if the ref had, had given her the second yellow this weekend. Um, so Belkonen with a full team will, will win that game. <laughs> and next up, we've got Canberra Olympic, West Canberra Wanderers, Sunday, May 30th, 2.30 p.m. at O'Connor in close. Canberra Olympic won this one in the first round of the season. Michael's going with the West Canberra victory. I'm going to agree here. West Canberra Wanderers are in just great form at the moment and I, I I just don't see them losing that sort of form before they head into that F, uh, into that Fed Cup final matchup but I do think this one is going to be a pretty close matchup uh, how about you Jeremy I'm going to go Canberra Olympic yeah uh, I, I think they uh, they've shown her shown her how, how good they can be offensively I mean defensively there's some still some things to uh, to perfect but um uh, yeah, I think you know the, it's going to be a great duel, Ashley Sykes and uh, and Tanya Jaber. Um, but uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll go for the Blues on that one. All right, next up, CUA Academy versus Canberra Croatia, Sunday, May thirtieth, three p.m. at Hawker Football Centre. Michael's going with the Canberra Croatia victory. Looks like I'm going to be agreeing with him a lot in this one. I'm going to go with Canberra Croatia as well. It's going to be very very tight though. Damn, it's going to be it's. It's it's it. This wasn't as this wasn't as easy as just saying yeah, it's going to be Canberra Croatia because as we've said, CUA Academy. I think they can easily pull a draw and maybe they can pull an upset. Uh, they've definitely had they definitely have the momentum, the intensity, and the confidence at the moment to do that. And Vicky Linton, of course, wasn't there in that first one, but they did pull them, push them all the way uh, in that first matchup. Like I'm sure you're going to mention now, but I'm going to go with uh, Canberra Croatia. But I wouldn't be surprised if CUA can get something from this one. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go for COA just for the, just for the fun of the game. Uh, and uh, and Nick likes it when I predict against him. Um, I, I think I, you know, in all fairness, I think Canberra Croatia when they don't have Grace Gill, they're a, they're a different team. Uh, I think they played really well this weekend, but I think COA is definitely coming stronger and stronger. They're going to play on Hawker, which is their home ground. Uh, which is not something that the Canberra Croatia girls are used to, uh, and they've they've brought a lot of things to the table those last couple of weeks. They've brought some players that hadn't started the season and that are making this team better. So if the team is better than when they met the first time, and the first time it was two two, I'll, I'll just go for a CUA win. 
And next up, Tyrone United against Gungarland United. Sunday, May 30th, 3.10 at Canberra, 201. Michael's going with Gungarland. I'll go with Gungarland here as well. Paolo Romero, new coach of Tyrone United, up against his old side, Gungarland United. Yeah, I'm, I, I, Gungarland are eventually go, uh, going to bounce back. It's still going to take a little bit of time for Tyrone United to work things out. I don't think it's going to take too much longer, though, for them, in fairness. They've uh, done pretty uh, They've done pretty well in their previous matches, but I'm going to go with Gungal on this one. How about you, Jeremy? Yeah, I'll go for Gungal as well. I think uh, Tyrone probably should be uh, fully staffed this weekend. I think they have the, the squad playing, bar any injuries, of course. Um, so they are going to be uh, a rough game for Gungalin, but um, but I think the Gunners are hungry for for a win right now, and uh, I think they are going to probably uh, probably unfortunately for Tergunong eat them alive because they they really really want that win, and they might go out all guns blazing, and uh, it's it's going to be a good game I think, um, but Tergunong is going to have to defend more than anything else, and so Gungalin likes to play against team that. Um, our group behind because they play, they can play their football, uh, and you know they we know how how well they can score from afar. They score four against Turgonong in the first game of the season, um, so I would expect something of the same. All right, thank you very much as always, Jeremy. Any uh, plugs for your podcast or the matches you're doing this weekend? And it's hopefully, o- the plug over. means. Matt, you're going to be joining me to review the Euros and uh, do so, some of the Italy matches on the podcast when Euros comes up. Yeah. Well, how well do you know the Italian team? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, look, you know, the season is over in France. Uh, my team finished fifth. We are happy. Lille finished champion. Paris lost. We're very, very Excellent. happy yeah. about that. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll, I'll do the last episode of the podcast when it comes to Ligue 1 uh, tonight, probably. And then, and then we'll focus on the Euro. Uh, obviously, you're welcome to come uh, to talk about uh, Italy because, you know, everyone can come and talk about any team uh, for the Euro since France is going to win. I'm happy to have any, any guest on the, on the pod. Uh, but yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus a bit on, on the international uh, football right now when we do this. And in the meantime, uh, uh, still, you know, still the NPLW this weekend, Canberra. Uh, Croatia visiting CUA is going to be a very, very good game to call that we're going to call together uh, at Hawker, which is at three o'clock, I think, instead of 4.20. Anyway, one or, one or the other. Um, so, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that game. I'm, I'm, I'm quite, you know, I'm quite stoked to see how good the NPLW is this season and, and the fact that even the team that are technically less good um, are improving and are going to bring something to the table. Uh, it's going to be a long 21 rounds and we, we are starting the second 21 games, sorry. And we're starting the second round right now. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, to see some changes on the table again by the time we get to the end of that round. It certainly will be interesting. All right, Jeremy, thank you very much as always. And I'll me, see Matt. you this weekend for the matchup. For sure. Take care. Thanks everyone. Thank you. All right, back with the MPL2. I got another special guest today. He is the MPL2 guru who I was told at the end of the end of last season, not the start of last season, to talk to Chris Webb about everything MPL2. He did the he wrote up the article with Russ Gibbs for the MPL2 preview this week. And he's been involved in the MPL2 slash Capital League when it was called that before for a very long time. Chris, thank you very much for joining me today. Happy to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. Can you just uh, explain a little bit about your um, your history with Capital League and MPL2 and and your old radio show that you used to do, that used to sort of do something similar to what uh, Michael and I are doing right now? Yeah, no, um, 
sure there's still probably a few people who remember um, on which was a local channel to double X. We had the Far Post um, show, which was uh, talking about it was about all things football, but we always had a segment um, to talk about local football. So that was uh, a really fun. And we kind of did that on a rotating basis. There were a number of hosts. Um, you know, Russ used to do it, Lucy Zellich. There was a, it was a great fun, um, but it, yeah, it kind of ran its course. So it's great that you guys are here filling this void because that void's been there for probably about five or six years now since Far Post finished. So uh, it's, it's really good that you guys are doing this. Thank you very much, Chris. Greatly appreciate that. Uh, let's get stuck straight into it, shall we? First up, we have Wagga City Wanderers 1-0 over Brindabella Blues. Big win for them. Stevens with the goal for the Wanderers. It's their second victory in a row now, which takes them off the bottom of the table and puts them in sixth, sixth place. From all accounts, they defended very well. Um, Steven scored a terrific free kick as well, from what I heard. And Robert Fry was outstanding in goals. We see we saw that all last season as well, especially in that MPL 2 final against Ugali. Brindabella, though, did have quite a few chances. This seems to be the theme for them. At this point, they're probably going to be thinking... Uh, where's that? Um, where's the luck that's going to go their way? They weren't able to capitalize their chances, and of course, Robert Fry was fantastic on the day. What did you think about this result, uh, Webby? Uh, look, I, I don't think it's that surprising. I think a lot of people were surprised, um, but Wagga have been playing quite well of late. Um, you know, I saw them against Western, and they went down, but they actually looked very good. Um, they have been struggling with a lot of people out, um, but they do seem to be getting um, close to their full team back again. Obviously, you know, this year was always going to be tough for them with you know losing so many players from their grand final winning team last year. But um, they have they have started to put some some of their better players on the park together, and so these results were inevitable, really. Um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they they actually start picking up some some points off some of the bigger teams now. And in terms of uh, Brindabella Blues, it, 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 from most of the reports I get, they, they always, they're always uh, in with a fighting chance. They create a lot of chances uh, for, for whatever reason, either it's a keeper or uh, just hitting the post or something like that. They don't seem to be able to get these victories despite putting in the performances that will probably warrant either a victory or a draw. Uh, what do you think about Zoran Glavinich's side at the moment? Uh, are they are they just are they just uh, void of some luck at the moment, or is it oh, like- look, I, I think so. Um, they are they are quite a solid team. I think a lot of people probably wrote them off at the start of the year, um, though you could tell from last year that they were getting better and better as the season went on. Last year, obviously, it was a very young team, a number of players who had kind of skipped over twenty threes and come straight in from eighteens to first grade. Um, and they probably struggled a little bit at the start of last year and they were getting better. And you would have thought if that was a full season last year, that they actually probably would have improved quite a lot till the end. And this year, I think that while the results haven't been there, the performances have. Um, and they are a very solid team and they play quite uh, attractive football. And, and again, they're very similar to Wagga that I think that they are going to take points in the next 14 rounds. They're going to take points off some of the higher uh, position teams, definitely. And yeah, and we saw that last year. You mentioned last year. We saw that in the final round of the season against Cremian City, who were having a 
terrific year yeah. last year. Brindabella were able to come out there, get the victory. And from all accounts this year as well against Queen City, which we're going to mention quickly in the previews. But yeah, they they took Queen City to the limit. Um, so, and let and especially with Zoran Glavnich as well as, as the coach, he's, he, he, he's not going to sort of, um, he's not just going to sort of uh, uh, give up on what they're doing now. He's going to find different tactics and different ways to sort of get something. Yeah. Look, they're a very, very well drilled team and you can tell that Zoran um, really understands the players and what they need and he's got them doing a lot of good things. So I think this team is just going to get better. Um, as long as they can hold on to everybody, um, you know, there are some there's some exceptional talents in their team. So I, you know, those kind of guys are probably going to be hard to hold on to come uh, transfer season. Um, Soren will probably hate me for saying that, but if they can hold on to those guys um, and they they can just keep improving, um, I really think that they can do uh, some good things. Um, later on in the season, you know, guys like Dave Gurney are very, very strong in the middle and um, their two strikers are very, very good. You know, Curtis Schaefer gets a lot of the plaudits, but Zach Lawrence is a very, very quality player. And, and I think a lot of Curtis's goals are probably from a lot of the work that Zach's done up in that front line. So, um, no, no, I, I think that they are destined to... to Push up. I don't know whether top four is is uh, in the horizon, but it's a funny little season. We're only seven games in, and the top four is not actually out of out of the reach of anybody at the moment. Um, so we'll see. And next up, we've got White Eagles six, Western Malongo one, McCarthy with a hat trick, Sandtrack and Al Nuwasir scoring two. Breckford with the goal for Western Malonglo. Very strong bounce-back victory for White Eagles after they fell to Wagga City last week. They came out of the blocks racing some, with some terrific football. And now they're only three points off ANU, uh, off ANU and O'Connor, if I'm not mistaken. Let me double-check that to see if I'm correct. Yeah, I think that's yep. right. Awesome. And, yeah, in terms of Western Malonglo, though, didn't start off uh, very well. But uh, when I think when I saw you at the matchup, you were telling me how they actually got quite a few really good opportunities before the end of the half. They are struggling with some injuries, though, Western, and uh, that can sort of be uh, could be shown by the starting lineup where you had Ashley Bland that was playing uh, in centre back instead of in midfield, where he's been pivotal uh, recently as just one of the. Um, as just one of the changes that have needed to be made due to injuries. What'd you make of uh, this result? Uh, look, I think um, it was a deserved result. That's for sure. Um, White Eagles played some of the best football that I've seen this year, especially in the first half, um, which is interesting. First half was only two nil, but they really, um, their ball movement was fantastic. Um, and it, it was interesting because they, they moved the ball extremely well. They were very comfortable at the back. Um, for the first probably half an hour, but then but then the goal came from a mistake from the centre back um, passing a ball straight to Ed McCarthy. He's probably the worst person in the league you could pass a ball to, um, and he you know calmly slotted it away. And then his second was um, a poor clearance off a corner, and he was outside the box. And again, a volley falling down to anybody in the league 
Ed McCarthy is not the one that you want that to fall to. I think I remarked possibly to you that you, know, you, you often say if they, someone gets 10 chances, they'll never hit a volley that sweet. You know, they'll probably miss the next 10. If Ed got 10 more chances, he'd probably put eight of those away because he's just fantastic. Uh, one of the most gifted natural strikers of the ball that not only in this league, but I think in Canberra. And um, so we, we saw it a few weeks ago against the O'Connor Knights, um, you know, that goal that he scored at the death. And, and I know I took talking to guys from O'Connor Knights, you know, they said it fell to the worst player possible. So um, they, White Eagles looked very good. Um, but as you said, uh, Western actually had a number of chances just at the end of the half, very much on the break. Um, young Xavier Graham, uh, who's come up from the 23s, uh, he was actually looked very, very good, probably with the shining light in the Western team. And he had a few chances at the end uh, of the end of the first half. So he was probably disappointed he didn't uh, put one of those away. Going into the half at 2-1 probably could have been a different game. Um, but White Eagles put the game to bed very, very early in the second half. Um, Dayan Sandtrack looks all the play has been over the last, you know, 15 years. And, yeah, they, he wouldn't be out of place playing MPL one, that's for sure. And uh, he was really pulling the strings in midfield and uh, kind of set up the first goal for his brother, um, who was, came, in, came on at halftime. And then Ed McCarthy got a hat-trick with a deft header and then a penalty um, that Hassan put away and then Hassan capped it off. So, um, but uh, yes, as you said, Gus um, record got a, another goal, which is his fifth for the season. So um, he's, doing well, very he's, well. actually, he's actually doing quite well scoring out of the midfield. Um, Western clearly are struggling for goals. So um, it's always good when the forward line are struggling that you've got some goal scoring in the midfield, but they definitely need to stop the tighter goals coming in. Um, if you, if you add in Tigers um, in the FFA cup, I think what that's possibly 17 goals have conceded in the last three. So it, it's uh, probably something that would be slightly worrying for Ned jeans and something that you clearly need to sort out. And on White Eagles, quickly before we move on, they've, of course, had a coaching change. Steve Forshaw is now gone. Eric Bonet is their player coach at the moment uh, in a caretaker role. Considering all the talk that has been around White Eagles, they're not, you would think, like, if you hadn't seen the results, you would think that all the talk about them is that they've had a disastrous season. But it's the, 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 the latter, like I said, doesn't really result in that. How do you think they're going to sort of transition at the moment in the next couple of weeks? Look, I still think the jury's out on White Eagles. Um, on paper, I didn't think that they were as strong as some of the other teams. But like I said, uh, on the field, they, they probably put in the best half-hour performance that I have seen this, this, this season in MPL2. So, um, yeah, they've obviously got some critics out there or, or naysayers and they've obviously got something to prove. Um, but uh, I, what I think might be, be an issue for them is depth. Um, they've got a very, very strong 11 that they can put on the field. And, and, and actually, they've probably got about three or four very, very good subs to come in. But if they get four or five injuries in this long season, um, it might affect them. But 
I, I can see them doing well. They have been quite up and down, however, and I think that that is the problem. You know, they've they've got a draw against ANU. They've got a win against O'Connor Knights. Um, yeah, a win against Ugali. So very three fantastic results. But then it's it's um, a very very big loss to Queanbeyan, lost to Wagga. Those are the kind of things that uh, mean that they probably haven't shown the same consistency as some of the other teams. Uh, Racing for the title, you know, you've got to remember that top four is not what all these teams are after. They're, they're after promotion. Um, first place. And, yeah, first place. And White Eagles are definitely in it. They're only three points off, but um, I think they're going to have a hard time staying with the other three, but we'll see. And next up, we have Queen City 3, Ugali SC 2, Cobertaldo, Adams and Shields with the goals for Queenbian. Roach and Donna and Jay Donadell with the goals for Ugali. Very close matchup from all accounts here. Uh, Chris, open attacking game of football. Either team could have gained the victory from what I was told. Queenbin, of course, bouncing back after their defeat to O'Connor last week. And Ugali, of course, coming off that valiant effort that they put in in the FFA Cup against Tigers, where they only uh, lost in the last, uh, in the dying minutes of the matchup. What did you think about uh, this result? Uh, look, I, I was surprised, actually, um, that it was so close, um, especially given the context of the game. Um, even within the game, uh, Ugali had a red card, and it was a late goal, um, you know, about the 85th minute that settled the game. It was two all. It was on a knife edge. And you've got to kind of think about how difficult it been for Yagali to come to Canberra midweek, um, play against probably the form team um, in Tigers in, in the whole city. Um, you, know, you look at their last result, four or five results in MPL1, they're probably the top team going around at the moment and they took them to the death. So a gruelling, gruelling match, big trip back midweek. They would have got home well into the, the morning and then to come back again and do it all again on the weekend against realistically the top team in this league and take them all the way to the you know dying minutes with 10 men, uh, absolutely fantastic effort by uh, Ugali. And to me, I, I think a few people have started to write them off because of where they're sitting on the, on the table, but I think it's, um, you know, they're the reigning champions for a reason. And unlike Wagga, they haven't had too much change. Yeah, it's the same team. And I think they are actually just really starting to get back to that. Uh, you know, playing the, the, the same way that they were, how they finished off last season. Yeah. And uh, when Chris uh, meant champions, he means the, uh, the, the, the minor premiers, the team that finished yeah, on top elite, last, yeah. uh, that finished on top last season. Yeah. Look, Ugali, whenever I, well, they were definitely one of the best teams last year. They were absolutely fantastic. Just the way they played that final against Wagga was tremendous. I guess what they have, their, their issue has sort of been traveling. So this was probably one of their best traveling performances probably in that regard. In, in, in the league, I'm not talking about the FFA Cup here. They've put in some great ones in the FFA Cup. This is probably one of their best ones in terms of performances in that regard. So they're going to be drawing off that uh, 100%. They're very strong at home, bar that loss to ANU. 
And like you said, they've mostly got the same team, but they've just they've just got some fantastic players, and they play very quick. When when they when they flow, they 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 are definitely going to make the top four. And if they can um, recruit a few more uh, a few more points in that time frame, there's no reason why they can't be challenging as well. The top three teams at the moment. A quick question about Queen City though. There's uh, of course they've got the Wilkes in. A lot of money behind them at the moment. A lot of recruitment uh, from uh, a lot of players from MPL One, like Keeter and uh, and Shields. Shields has found the back of the net the last couple of weeks. Which, of course, I said this on the show. It's it's not that Shields hasn't been playing well, but when you got a player like Shields, who's been one of the top players in Canberra for ages, the first thing they're going to point out is when they don't score. Uh, which I, I think I said that about Dominici as well before he had that great game against Gungahlin United. The best players in Canberra, once they're not scoring people, the first, uh, the best strikers, immediately people are going to say that they haven't. But the last couple of matches, Shields has really shown his quality and it was only a matter of time before he's going to start scoring goals. He's been one of the best goal scorers in Canberra for a long time in that regard. So expectations, obviously, of Queanbeyan, like a lot of clubs are for promotion. How do you... How do you think they're uh, going to go in that regard? I'm not, to, I'm not asking uh, for a prediction about who's going to go up, but uh, are they going to be sort of putting in the sort of performances they did against White Eagles? Uh, how consistent do you see them being over the course of the season? Yeah, look, I think Queanbeyan have probably been uh, the biggest riddle so far. Main, and look, they are one point off top of the table yeah. and they've got a goal difference of plus 16, you know, three better than the next team. So it's, it's not bad in any way, but I think expectations were so high some of us were expecting them not to drop a point for 21 weeks um so you know they've already lost two and um it just shows that this is this is a tough league and and you you can't just walk through it by just buying a, a few names you've really got to get the team working together but uh, at, while I said White Eagles probably put in the best kind of 30-minute spell that I've seen, I would say that Queanbeyan's probably, from all the games that I've watched, Queanbeyan's probably been the team that's impressed me the most. When they were on, they really looked on and they looked so dangerous. Um, you know, Michael Adams is just a fantastic, fantastic footballer. And I'm actually surprised he hasn't scored more goals than he has at the moment. I think he's got five, which is fantastic um after seven games but such uh is how i rate him that i i would have thought he might have even be around the 10 mark by now so um and, and he's not even a striker he, he kind of plays in that 10 position um you know floating between the lines but he's so dangerous when he picks up the ball uh so they just have so many weapons that i think it's it's difficult to to shut them all down and someone's always going to step up and that's kind of how the great teams work you know Shields doesn't score then Hassan scores or Goran scores you know it's just um, how they work so um, I to me at this point if I was a betting man I still would probably have them as favorites to 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 win the league but um, they have definitely got uh, a battle on their hands Certainly going to be a, an interesting last 14 matches. Now, our last uh, match of the round, probably the result of the round in terms of considering where ANU was sitting, they were undefeated before this match. O'Connor Knights 1-0, Krezic with the goal. 
Uh, I was at this one. It was a pretty close and cagey affair, as we could all assume. I said last week, for even though both were, were in good form, I said form can go out of the window for this one. This sort of matchup, as you would know from uh, being around this league for a while, form in the ANU O'Connor is always always goes out the window. It's always close, it's always cagey. One of them could be on top, the other could be on the bottom, and vice versa. And you would still get just as close and a cagey affair. O'Connor defended very, very well uh, from what I saw. They didn't have a lot of opportunities, but when they they were when they did get the opportunity, they made the best opportunity. They made the most of it. So probably going forward, a you looked the better side. They created the better chances uh, on the majority. There were some clearances off the line. There were some great saves from the O'Connor keeper as well. Uh, Rutherford um, return for O'Connor also, but they're still awaiting uh, Josip Yadrich's return also. So what did you think about uh, this matchup? It's always a great affair between these two. Yeah, 100%. And, and you say they were always a close affair. That probably goes out the window when it's a grand final. Um, I think <laughs> A&U have put five or six past O'Connor and two separate grand Well, obviously finals. I'm talking about the league. Yeah, so, yeah. No um, but uh, yeah, no, look. Definitely not surprised. Definitely not surprised. Um, O'Connor Knights, you just have to look at their team on paper. They are an extremely strong team. And it's a team similar to Queanbeyan and similar to ANU. If they were playing MPL1, they would not look out of place. Um, and when they, when they start getting all their players back, they are going to be a real force. So it's actually uh, the scary thing, I guess, about O'Connor is they are top of the table. And they've actually been missing a lot of players through the first seven games. So, um, uh, Nika Krezic is just a, a fantastic footballer. Um, he could walk into nearly any MPL one team, and yeah, it's it's just similar similar raps from, to Michael Adams that um, he's he's done it a few times this year and picked up that kind of winning goal. And uh, he's definitely an outlet for O'Connor, especially when they're missing Yossip. Um, and if, if they have both Nico and Yossip on those wings, teams are going to struggle a lot. A lot of pace and a lot of skill that uh, will hurt teams. But uh, who knows about Yossip? Uh, he has not played too many minutes in the last few years. Um, again, if they can get him fit, he's, he's a match winner, that's for sure. It's just whether they can get him fit or not. But, um, yeah, no, look, this, this game, not surprising. I heard Jack Miller um, was fantastic in goals for O'Connor and, and made some great saves. Um, but they are their they're a resolute defensive team. Miro's a fantastic coach and um, very, very strong in the midfield as well. Um, Liam Walsh is a fantastic player, another great pickup from Gungal. And so they... Uh, they they will do some pretty good things. And I think when Jack Rutherford um, gets out onto that right fullback and they can cut, start having the overlapping fullbacks and allowing, you know, the likes of Krezic and Josip or whoever's on that wing to, to start coming in, uh, they are going to be a very, very tough team. And uh, NA knew this, this was their first loss of the season. They were undefeated before this. That leaves Canberra Croatia Women's, I believe, is the only undefeated side of all the three comps. Yep. They and you look very good. Uh, they look very good going into this one. They still look very good in this match, to say the least. Uh, how are how you going to be um, fighting for the title? Could just, just describe how, how they're going to be in and around there. 
Yeah, look, ANU, uh, this, is, this is probably the most stable team, um, most experienced team in the competition, you know, as a team. You know, Queanbeyan have a lot of experienced players who played for Tigers and, and other clubs in NPL1. But this O'Connor team has been, a, you know, the core of the team has been together for a long time. They really know how to each other play. Um, you know, when I watched them, they probably weren't as impressive as White Eagles or as Queanbeyan, but their efficiency is just ruthless. They are very, very simple in how they play, but it is just so effective. Their midfield, the energy in their midfield, um, you know, I talk about some of the other players, but for me, apart from being the most handsome man in the league, Sam Carter's in their midfield is the best player in this competition and he's been the best player in this competition for five or six years, except for the, the few years that he was away in Sydney. And he has, I think he's the second top goal scorer in this competition from the sixth position. And that is just, it's outrageous. He has, he's fantastic at just working uh, that midfield, making late runs and he's what really ticks them. And to me, he's, he's the difference between this team and the team last year that didn't make the top four. Um, but they are, they are a very, very ruthless team and um, you give them half a chance. And, I, and you know, you, it's going to take a, a top goalkeeper to keep them out. And they, what ANU really have, and I think it's probably O'Connor is, is the other team, a lot of depth. They have quality. Their, their 23s team is fantastic at ANU. They've got, they've got depth in every position and that's what you're going to need for a title race in 21 weeks. Um, so I definitely wouldn't rule them out. Um, I, think, I think there is a clear top three. We, you know, we, we've talked about it with uh, a lot of people in this sphere before the season started. Um, ANU and O'Connor and, and Queanbeyan. And while they haven't really broken away on points, um, you know, as we said, they're only three points ahead of White Eagles and Ugali is kind of still there. One of the real indicators of strength in a league is, is goal difference. And those three clubs have goal differences around the 10 to 15 mark and everybody else is one or less or, or negative. White Eagles um, is one. So, yeah, and, and everybody else on negative goal difference. Those three are clearly the three strongest teams at the moment. Um, and I would be very, very surprised that if one of those teams didn't make the top four. I, I, a White Eagles or Igali could possibly sneak past one or two of those teams, but I can see all three. I would be very surprised if not all three of those teams don't remain in the top four. Yeah, and Carter's is... Uh, has seven goals as the second top goal scorer. Before we get into the predictions and reviews, I'll quickly go over the table. Brindabella Blues, eighth place with three points. Western Malonglo, seventh place with four points. Wagga City Wanderers, sixth place with six points. Ugali SC, fifth place with nine points. Canberra White Eagles, fourth place with 13 points. Queanbeyan City, third place with 15 points. O'Connor Knights, second place with 16 points and a plus nine goal difference. And then ANU on top with the same amount of points, 16 points, but a 13, a plus 13 goal difference. All right. Heading into round eight, we start off with ANU, ANU versus Canberra White Eagles, Saturday, May 29th, 3.15 at ANU South Oval. 
Michael says an, a, uh, an ANU win for this one. I'm going to agree, an ANU victory. But White Eagles have proved, and they got a draw with them uh, in the in the first round at the start of the year that they can get results in these in these types of matches. I think just ANU will just have that extra little bit of quality and that uh, extra little bit of uh, fire after going down to O'Connor. But this is going to be a close one. How about you, Chris? Yeah, look, uh, my gut says ANU, um, but White Eagles are coming off an extremely impressive 6-1 victory. Um, they, they just look in really good form. Um, I think that Eric has probably, uh, you know, got, the, got the, the right team set up at White Eagles at the moment. Um, you know, pretty much all their players are available. It's got the right guys in the right positions and they are a very dangerous team. Um, but like I said, ANU just have that uh, that ruthless simplicity that uh, it's hard, it's very hard to go against this ANU side. Um, now whether whether that loss has kind of rocked them, but they're not the they're not the kind of guys that really get rocked. They're just a hardworking team that really will just get back focused on the next game. It was a draw last time. I think from all reports I heard, White Eagles were potentially the, the better side in that game. So uh, who knows? But look, I'd probably probably side towards ANU. But by saying that, I'm sure White Eagles are going to win now. <laughs> that's that's what happens to us every weekend with that MPL one anyway. Uh, oh, so MPL one, there's no point even trying with MPL. No, nah, it's just hey, we just do it for a laugh, and everyone can just yeah. laugh at us in that point. Uh, Quavian City versus Brindabella Blues, our next matchup. Saturday, May 29th, 3.15 at High Street. Michael says Quavian for this one. I'm going to agree on this one. Look, Brindabella Blues have been saying for a while they are going to upset someone. Unfortunately for them, even though they do play really well against Quavian City, I just feel like they, they're probably going to lean on the frustrated side at the moment after their match against Wagga. Queenbean, I think, will take this one, but it won't be it won't be a flogging by any imagination. It'll probably be very close, and it'll probably be like some similar to a score that we saw this weekend against Ugali. But eventually, Brindabella Blues are eventually going to hit form. Chris, exactly. Um, while while we talked about Brindabella being you know very strong, and Queenbean is clearly the team that they enjoy playing most. Um, you know, beating them at the end of last season. And going down in a two-three nail biter um, to start this season off, but uh, yeah, I, I just think Queenbian are just that bit too much strong for for Brindy, and they really should come come away with it. And next up, we've got Western Malongolo against Ugali Sunday, May thirtieth, two p.m. Woden Park enclosed. Michael says Ugali. He's going to hate the fact that I'm agreeing with him here uh, uh, a lot. I'm going to go with Ugali as well. Western Malongo seem to have a little too, just too many injuries at the moment. And Ugali seem to be in really good form. And they seem to be picking up their away form, which is most important for them considering how they started the season. I'm going to go with Ugali. Chris? Yeah, look, same. And, and all the guys at Western are going to hate me for saying it. But I think, <laughs> again, Ugali have been extremely impressive. Um, they were fantastic against Tigers and uh, again as we said against Queanbeyan whether the, the travel this is the third time in a row that they've come to Canberra whether that's going to take a toll on them or not um, 
who knows? But I think if they can travel with you know, pretty much their entire side, um, that I think they probably will just have enough. As we kind of started off, Western are just that little bit wounded at the moment. They've got uh, an injury list that is just racking up and coming off some big losses. It would be very hard to turn that around straight away against a, a team that's in, as in form as Ugali. But they, they had a very, very close match um, out in Griffith to start the season off. Um, so um, Ugali only kind of just pipped them with the odd goal. In, in that match. So, again, I wouldn't be surprised if there were another result, but I wouldn't be surprised in any of these games for any of the results. But, look, I'll go for you, Gali. And last up, O'Connor Knights versus Wagga City Wanderers. Sunday, May 30th, 3pm at Kayleen Enclosed. Despite Wagga City Wanderers good form recently and definitely their confidence boost with 100% uh, that would be O'Connor Knights just looking really good form at the moment and they're only going to get better I'm going to go with O'Connor Knights here how about you Chris same same everyone's agreeing like this we said, there we go yeah <laughs> yeah and, and this is this is what the round is it's it's the uh close to the top four versus the bottom four you know the, the ANU Whitegers game kind of being the exception to that. So um, while anything can happen, they're probably the likely uh, choices for this round. All right, that wraps us up for MPL2. Chris, thank you very much for joining me today. I hope to have you on again soon. Any uh, last wa- words before we wrap up today? No, look, uh, thanks again for having me. I'd probably just a, a shout out, a bit rude of me to my uh, my... Two double X hosts that I used to host with, you know, Caesar Martinez and Dan Higgins and Ben Gregg. Yeah, I'll we'll have to get the the crew back together. Hundred percent. That's great to hear. And uh, that that's about us. It for us today. Thank you very much. Episode twenty nine, round seven review. That's the first full round of matches in all three competitions. We head into the second round of fixtures for this one it's going to be another interesting weekend as always thank you very much and have a good night